Welcome to Practically Healthy by Dr. Melina. I'm your host, Dr. Melina Jampolis, and I'm a board-certified physician nutrition specialist. And I started this podcast to take the latest science and really help you figure out what you should do, can do, and eventually will do when it comes to food, fitness, and everything that's involved with helping you become the best version of yourself. Well, I'm very excited to be partnering with the American Egg Board this summer uh, to talk all about eggs. And my guest today knows more about eggs than most people. So Dr. Mickey Rubin is actually vice president of research at the American Egg Board and serves as the executive director of the Egg Nutrition Center, which is the science nutrition science and education division of the American Egg Board. He graduated from Indiana University Bloomington with a Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology, then earned a master's degree in exercise and sports science from the University of Memphis. That was what my sister studied too, by the way, so near and dear in my heart. And later earned a PhD in exercise physiology from the University of Connecticut, where his research interests include exercise endocrinology, super cool topic. I'm going to ask you about that, sports nutrition, and the effects of dietary interventions on cardiometabolic health outcomes, which is also one of my passions. So I'm super excited to have you here today, Mickey. Thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about kind of your background and how you became interested in in nutrition research in general and and specifically cholesterol research and that falls under the cardiometabolic uh bucket. So and it's a, it's a really important area but I'm curious kind of what what got you there. Yeah, I know you can tell I have an interesting, you know, a, a path towards where I am today. So, you know, at you know, it started when I was, you know, during college just a passion for understanding science and for me it was the science and biochemistry and physiology of exercise and nutrition. That kind of just drove me through my undergrad and my graduate degrees. Um I stepped my PhD is in exercise physiology, but you know, the the research group that I worked with, uh it was very much a split. It was nutrition and exercise and sometimes a little bit of both with the sports nutrition kind of combined you know nutrition and exercise focus and so it was really just a passion for learning about the science i just felt just driven i needed to know everything i could know about you know biochemistry muscle physiology carbohydrate metabolism fat metabolism you know that just that's just what drove me so that kind of drove me through through my phd uh and then you know really through my career so i've had a few uh careers in industry i decided against a career in academia for a career in industry uh and so i've been with the american egg board now for 5 years really focusing on eggs and cholesterol metabolism and other areas of uh, that where the nutrients in eggs uh, have appear to have some benefits. Uh, but before that, I was with National Dairy Council, working on behalf of dairy farmers, uh, studying really studying dairy foods, milk, cheese, and yogurt in much the same way. Uh, and really, just you know, that's how I've sort of made my career. Just understand, you know, trying to understand the the science behind the foods that we eat uh, and the health outcomes uh, that arise from from the foods that we eat. You know what's so interesting about your background is that I've found over the years, I actually started my career too early on in nutrition, working with professional athletes, getting oh, them wow. ready for the yeah. NFL combines. And it taught me very early on that you could really, you could really learn a lot from exercise physio. In, in some ways, I feel like, you know, exercise science in terms of nutrition is far more advanced because 
they really need to understand. We, we need to understand metabolically how the athlete is fueling their body. And I took those lessons and really I I've applied them to how I think about nutritional biochemistry, but also how I think about patients. I really, I, I tell everybody, you know, we could, it would behoove you to treat your body a little, think of it a little bit more like an athlete yeah. and that food is really fuel. And I, and I think the interesting thing is, and this is why I'm so excited to talk to you about eggs in particular is, is, you know, they got a bad rap a, a few decades ago. And, and I think times have really changed and, and that they are such great fuel for not just athletes, but for the average person as well. So, so let's jump right in on, on kind of the history of cholesterol research that let's, because this is what happened. And this is, this is an example of how, you know, in nutrition research, it can be super challenging. It's, it's a complex field to get the right answer because, you know, people don't remember what they ate yesterday for breakfast, you know, less three years ago. So, but give us a little bit about the history and, and recap kind of of cholesterol over the years. Cause I think it's super interesting. And you probably learned a lot starting with dairy and yeah. then translated that to eggs because it, it's similar. Dairy got a bad rap too. Yeah. You know, I, I like to think of the story of eggs and nutrition research as a, 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 a huge success story of science working, right? This is the way science is supposed to work. We're supposed to learn something and then, then science is supposed to evolve. We're supposed to learn new things. And maybe we start rethinking what we thought we knew a, a year ago or maybe five years ago or 10 years ago and the evolution of the past you know my goodness 40 years uh, uh when it comes to dietary cholesterol and eggs in particular is fascinating you know you look back to the 60s and 70s when you're starting to see these first large population studies uh you know it's sort of tracking people what they ate and and you know what happens you know well the health outcomes you know that's when we started learning about you know then it was fat, and then they started learning about cholesterol and seeing that those associations with you know dietary fat intake or dietary cholesterol intake and negative you know heart health outcomes. Uh, but those were you know those were the best studies we had at the time. You know some of the first of their kind really in nutrition. And so you know what we've what we've done is just the the research and the methods have just improved consistently over the decades to where it helps us learn more. So, you know, you look back to, you know, I think back to the 1977, you know, it wasn't even called the dietary guidelines back then. It was just, it was these dietary recommendations were put up by the government. And that's when you start seeing the 300 milligram limit on dietary cholesterol. They still said eggs were nutrient dense and could be part of healthy diets, but, you know, that's where you start seeing that 300 milligram limit. And that was really based on, you know, there's some animal studies at that time where they fed these really large amounts of dietary cholesterol to rats, you know, thinking about, you know, one to 5% of their diet, which would be the equivalent of about 30,000 milligrams to a human. Right. But that was like the, but that was the best that they had at the time. So they said, well, let's, let's limit it to 300 milligrams per day. And that, that really stayed in the guidelines for a long time. Once that precedent is set, you know, until science is there to to change it, it kind of stays there, right? Uh, and so we had that all the way through the 80s. And then in the 90s, we started seeing some change in the research. We started seeing these feeding studies where they actually start feeding eggs to people <laughs> and start measuring what happens with blood cholesterol. Uh, and some of the studies from you know Egg Nutrition Center, my organization started way back then, really asking those questions. And then I think really... Uh, if I was to point towards a landmark study when things really started to turn 
It was a study that came out in 1999, and it was published in the uh, JAMA, Journal of American Medical Association, one of the most you know highest impact medical journals in the world. Uh, and it was from the Harvard School of Public Health. And they found that you know when they looked at their cohorts, they looked at egg intake specifically, not, not just dietary cholesterol intake, but egg intake specifically, they found no relationship with egg intake and increased risk for heart disease. And that was that was a change. That was a big change. People started to take notice then. Uh, you know, a lot of people remember there's Time magazine covers where one was, you know, there was sunny side up egg and a frowny face in 1984. You know, but then after that 1999 Harvard study, all of a sudden Time magazine comes out with a, a two eggs and a and a smiley face because now eggs are back. Uh, and so that was you know that was 1999. But just to give you an example of how long recommendations take, and you need more than just one study, you need a lot of studies over time to really kind of prove this and and and, and you know just support one another. It wasn't until about 15, 16 years later in 2015, when the Dietary Guidelines for Americans removed a 300 milligram limit on dietary cholesterol. So when you look, think of, I always want to think of uh, nutrition research and science in general, really the long arc of history because nothing changes overnight. Uh, but when you look at that arc of history and you know what we thought we knew, you know, back in the sixties and seventies to what we you know, know now and, you know, to changing recommendations and guidelines in 2015, it's really remarkable. Yeah. Well, I, I want to, I want to just explain to our listeners because I think you brought up for me four really important concepts about nutrition research. And, and that is that it, it will help people because I, I don't know, you probably get this too, but I feel like, you know, the headlines are, are always back and forth. One day, this is good for you. One yeah. day it's bad. This group thinks it's good. This group thinks it's bad. So a couple of things that I just want listeners to understand is first of all, you know, Correlation is not causation. So exactly. just because something is associated with a specific outcome, so eggs were associated, they thought, or cholesterol, does not mean that they cause it. Number two is that you can't, people don't eat nutrients. They eat food. You can't just look at nutrients in like isolation. The best research is really food in its matrix, which I think we'll talk about really all the, all the benefits of eggs. Um, number three is that animals are not, rats are not mini humans. And so they're great for generating hypotheses, yep. but they're not good at all for really determining the true impact on humans. And I think the fourth, and I think this is really important, is that, you know, not all industry sponsored research is bad. That, that, you know, particularly so, you know, the education and research side of your organization, you know, yes, they have a vested interest in, you know, eggs, but also they have a vested interest in good research and nobody else is going to pay for it. So I think we've got to stop. We've got to start collaborating effectively with industry to get those nutrition answers, which are complicated, particularly when it comes to food, not just nutrients. So I, I think you brought up some, some 
really, really important points. And, and, and I think it's very important. So, so let's kind of jump right in. So, so what, what do we know now about eggs and heart health? What, what is, you know, what is the latest research and, and where is the research going? What don't we know? Because yeah. let's be honest, it with everything in nutrition, I mean, even with green tea, you can have too much of a good thing, right? And, and polyphenols and they can interact with other nutrients. So, so where are we at now with eggs and heart health? Yeah. So g- great question. I love what you said about the different types of research because, you know, the, it's controversial in nutrition research. Sometimes some people are say, oh, those correlation studies, throw them in the trash. They need to be re- you know, randomized controlled trials. I'm of the opinion that we need to look at all of it together as one portfolio of research, Agreed. right? Sometimes, and we start to feel really good when they're all going, staying the same thing, right? Yeah. You know, that's, that's where we start to feel really good. Um, so when it comes to the latest research, so what we know today is in general, that, that finding from that 99 study has really held true. The vast majority of these correlation population studies show no no impact. Um, actually, it's really interesting though. If you it, you, know, you look at different populations, though, you might get a little bit of a different result. In the U.S., generally, it's sort of what what we call no impact, no no association. You know, there's it's not good, not bad when it comes to eggs. When you look at Asian uh, populations, Asian countries they're actually showing eggs help reduce the risk of heart disease. And it could be in part to what you just hit on is, you know, what are eggs eaten with in those cultures? You know, eggs in in Asian cultures are probably eaten with some really healthy vegetables and other types of uh, food. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to separate those out. Um, So what we see in randomized controlled trials where we actually start feeding people eggs, you know, one egg a day, two eggs a day, three eggs a day, you know, in general, we don't see when we measure blood cholesterol responses, we don't see a big response. On average, we do see a little bit of a of a of an impact of increasing blood cholesterol. But it increases both the LDL and the HDL, the good and the bad. So your your risk is basically neutral when it comes to that. And for the vast majority of the population, they see no change at all. It's about two-thirds of the population sees about no change in their blood cholesterol. Another third, what we call cholesterol responders. They're the ones when they start eating one or two or three eggs a day, you'll see a bump in the overall cholesterol values. But again, it's the both the increase of the good and the bad. Um, you know, so that's so I would say that's where we are. The, the latest science, I think, some of the things we're looking at right now is you know most of the research that's been done over the last couple of decades has has looked at generally healthy people. Uh, and I think when you look back to where we were, you know, they weren't sure. Should we feed eggs to people who have, you know, diabetes or, or heart disease and see what happens? It's, you know, you know, they were being cautious. I think we need to, I think we need more of those studies. I think we need more studies where we start with people who have that high LDL at, at baseline, you know, give them an egg a day, two eggs a day. Let's, let's really measure, see what happens. Let's look at the overall, um, you know, risk profile in those studies. I think that's going to be really important. And also one more thing, I think we are really starting to understand that HDL a little bit better. Uh, you know, we always the good cholesterol, right? And it's always good to see it be higher. And uh, you know, I go to my doctor; that's the first thing I look at. You know, I want my I'm, it's all, my my wife and I are competing. What was your HDL? Well, mine's <laughs> women's are always higher, you know. So, but so hers is always higher than mine. But I'm 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 working to I'm working to to catch up. Uh, but what I think with HDL, it's maybe not so much about the level, but it is about the function of that HDL particle, how well it does its job, how well it 
takes cholesterol back to the liver. Um, so that's, I think, really important. We've done, we've sponsored a study here at, at Egg Nutrition Center that showed that eating a couple eggs a day actually improves the function of that HDL, you know, regardless of the actual level. Um, so I think that's where, you know, some of the research I think is going, really understanding some of the deep aspects of these cholesterol particles and, and what they're doing in response to diet. It's funny that you um, say mentioned cholesterol particles because I was yeah. going to ask you that. So I mean, do you, uh, and and maybe maybe this research hasn't been done, but I, I mean, I do think it's important. Like the the, and I don't want to get too sciencey for our listeners, but yeah. I mean, people you know, to some extent, it helps to understand, you know, like there's different, there's different subcategories yes, of HDL. Yes. So HDL 2B is yeah. the one, you know, revert that is most effective. I'm wondering whether there's any research on, on particle size with LDL, because that's another thing that yeah. people don't quite understand is, is maybe sometimes when you see the bad cholesterol go up, it's not that the particle number has gone up, which is the risk factor. It's that the size of the LDL has gone up. The bad cholesterol. And that bigger, fluffier LDL is not the one that lodges in the walls of your artery. So there's so much new, this is why I think there's a lot of nuance. But And the other thing that I was going to say real quick in terms of the two thirds are responders and one third, you know, maybe not so much or, or the other way around yeah. is that that's, that's my passion, right? Cause that's nutrigenetics. So that's yeah, what I'm yeah. doing with my new company, Ahara. And, and that, and, and that's where we're moving to. I think that's going to help so much with all of this research is we're going to be able to look at these studies and and because people are not, you know, the studies are on a bell curve, right? And so that means that half the people are going to be this way and have, and if we can be more precise with our recommendations, I, I'm really looking forward to see how those worlds merge to help really the research become more relevant in terms of nutrition too. But, but back to my question about particle size, do we yeah. know that for LDL? Yeah, so there's been some studies that looked at LDL particle size response to egg intake, and and what we found is exactly what you just said. So you know you see when you do see an increase in that LDL you know, fraction, it's really those large, you know, sort of buoyant particles that are not as atherogenic, uh, whereas those small dense LDL particles, those are the ones that are atherogenic, get atherogenic and get lodged in the you know, and, and impact the artery and and cause a whole whole slew of events, you know, leading to inflammation and, and atherosclerosis. So yeah, that's what we see with egg intake is you know when there is that increase in in you know, LDL, which is you know can be small, what well, well, one milligram per deciliter, two milligrams per deciliter maximum, you're seeing you're seeing it is those large uh, you know, more, you know, less atherogenic particles. Well, that that's, I mean, uh, to me, it's, it's, it, there's just, I mean, there's just so much nuance. This is why sometimes, you know, it drives me crazy with the nutrition headlines because, you know, you're, you're counting on journalists to interpret very subtle findings and, and, and really, you know, understanding then when you say the clinical relevance of, of a one point increase in LDL, that may be statistically significant, but it's not significant at all on, on, for the average person. And, and, you know, you can have a little bit of oatmeal every other day with the eggs and you'll be fine from the soluble fiber. So, um, right, right. But, so I, I have to, I have to admit, I, I've, I've, I've really kind of leaned into eggs more in the past, uh, you know, few years with my new company, just because I'm I'm obsessed with one of the other really important nutrients in eggs. But let's talk about eggs in general, because you know I've been doing weight management and cardiometabolic medicine for over two decades. So I mean, I think the research is is really 
pretty well established about eggs and weight management, particularly eggs and not just protein, I think. So let's talk about eggs. Let's talk about the other uh, nutrients and also the weight management connection. Because for me, I mean, that far outweighs, you know, with, I read a statistic that by 2030, 85% of the U.S. population is going to be overweight or obese. If we don't do some really significant public health things, and I think, you know, educating people more getting them comfortable eating eggs. And, and you know, I, I don't work for the American Egg Board, but I'm I'm a big believer in eggs. So, you know, let's talk about let's talk about the weight management first, because I think that sure. and and then all of the other nutrients. And then we, we got to talk about choline, my new baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Okay. I love it. Good plan. Uh, so, you know, when it comes to eggs, I mean, I, 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 I love talking about cholesterol metabolism, right? But, but I think what people, you know, sometimes forget is that an egg is so nutrient dense. There's so many things in just a single egg besides cholesterol. Obviously everybody knows protein, right? And there's no better source of protein, you know, when it comes to when it comes to protein quality. You know, all the animal source foods have, you know, really high protein quality and eggs are no exception. Six grams eggs of, are the, the benchmark. The high quality I mean, they're the benchmark exactly to to the the, the PDCAS and the you know how you know how we rank uh proteins. You know, so so six grams of high quality protein in one egg. And then you have, you know, eggs are a good or excellent source of seven other nutrients, you know? So, you know, when you think about that, all for only 70 calories in a single egg, right? You know, so you're getting a lot of bang for your calorie buck with an egg. And so, and, you know, for me, you know, there's no more, you know, whenever I have a, you know, hard boiled eggs to me are the one of the most filling ways to have protein, right? And so when it comes to, you know, as you said, eggs as part of a weight management diet, you know, I think that's really important to, to feel that fullness that you get from an egg, you know, you know, there's no, there, there, there's no right diet for everybody, right? You just see, you, you were talking about, you know, we have to understand how it fits for everybody. And so everybody's got to find their right diet. I think what, what people, when people ask me about eggs and weight management, what I tell them is eggs fits, whatever weight management diet, it's works for you. Eggs fit in it. Some people like keto. Some people like something that's a little more plant-based with some high quality protein mixed in all points in between. An egg is going to get you so many of the nutrients you need. It's going to give you the protein. That's going to, you know, really make you feel full or longer. And it's going to, you know, I'll do that for only 70 calories. Uh, so really it's, it's, it's that it, it's, it's, it's versatile. It, it fits into every weight management, you know, plan, whatever yours might be. Well, and I, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's specific research showing that people who have eggs for breakfast have better appetite control all day. They have better blood sugar control all day, yeah. and they tend to eat less at subsequent meals. I mean, that's a factor of protein. But for me, what's interesting about eggs too is, is I think you know. Um, you need a little bit of fat for the satiety right, too. Right. And so having the, the, you know, five grams plus or my of fat um, that comes from the yolk. Cause I'll, I mean, I can't tell you how many patients I have come in and they're like, I'm doing egg whites and this and that. I'm like, no, 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 no. You need the yolk. So, so I mean, 
But the concept of nutrient density to me is one of the most important concepts in weight management, because on the one hand, our food supply is so calorically dense and nutrient deplete, these ultra processed foods that are, you know, have, are made of just, you know, corn products and artificial flavors, artificial sweeteners, um, and, and have a lot of caloric density, but not a lot of nutrient density, where when you look at eggs, you know, the, the whites mainly having the protein, but then the yolks, let's talk about the yolks. And that'll, that's a perfect segue to my, my choline baby. (laughs) Yeah. So when you look at, so, but, and and, and, what important point is about 40% of the protein in eggs and a yolk is in the yolk, you know? So most of the, most, you know, obviously the white is protein. Everybody knows that. And a lot of people love to eat the egg whites. Um, and that's great. But when you're tossing the yolk, you're tossing not only some other important nutrients, but you're tossing some of that protein too. So keep that in mind. Uh, but yeah, also in the yolk, you know, good or excellent source of, of, of other nutrients as well. You know, choline, as you mentioned, uh, you know, there is, well, very few commonly consumed foods that are a better source of choline uh, than eggs. Eggs have about 150 milligrams of choline per one large egg. Uh, and that's about 25% of the daily value right there, just in one large egg. Um, you know, you look at other nutrients that I think are uh, maybe underappreciated. Iodine, you know, important for brain health and development as well during you know maternal nutrition, early life nutrition. That's an excellent source uh, as and well. And thyroid health as well, because exactly. a lot of people now who are doing these fancy salts, they're yep. not doing iodized salt anymore. Yep. And I, I think there is some issue with that. Um, but wait, back to the choline real quick. Sure. I did an entire episode on choline, but give us a little bit more of a snapshot. Go into a yeah. little bit more detail in case they didn't listen to my choline episode about- Well, I listened to some of your previous ones about <laughs> choline, so I'm happy to talk about more and reinforce that. So choline, what we know about choline is choline is really important. Uh, for brain health and development, in particular in early life. So it is, you know, choline uh, uh, is a precursor to acetylcholine, which is really responsible for making those neural connections in the brain. Um, you know, it's important for both, um, you know, pregnant women as well as those children when, you know, after they're after they're born and they start it being introduced to solid foods. Fascinating research on choline. Some work on choline that we sponsored here at Egg Nutrition Center has looked at providing choline to pregnant women uh, and, you know, and during the second and third trimesters. In fact, the study that I'm referencing from Cornell University, you know, had, had two groups of, of, of women. One got the recommended level of choline for pregnant women and one group doubled the recommendation for choline for pregnant women. When those babies were born a year later, they were able to measure a significant impact of, of, of increase in the choline intake uh, during pregnancy. The, the, those children had faster information processing speed. You know, there, there, there are certain um, uh, cognitive tests that are meant for one-year-old infants. And you, it was, it was uh, clear that the ones that came from the moms who had the higher choline intake had better uh, cognitive performance than the ones who, got, who just got the recommended amount. Interesting thing about that study, they're still following those kids. Wow. And so that study came out several years ago, just last year in 2022, they published the data for those kids are seven years old. They're still measuring the impact of the kids that got the higher, whose moms got the higher choline intake during pregnancy. Seven years later, these kids are still measuring the impact of getting that higher level of choline uh, during pregnancy. So it is fascinating research. And so it's important, you know, both maternal nutrition, but then when we look at Eggs as a first food. Eggs are almost the perfect first food for infants and toddlers. Right around that 
four to six month period where they're just starting to be introduced to solid foods as a complementary to breastfeeding, you know, it, it you know, it's it it's a way to get choline into their diet right then and there during those really critical moments of brain development that you're seeing. And those kids are just, you know, you know, uh, four to six months of age. When you look at the dietary guidelines for Americans, which came out, the latest issue came out in 2020. That was the first time that they had recommendations for children under the age of two and eggs were included as a fundamental first food for infants to toddlers when they're developmentally ready. Number one, because of the nutrients and choline important for brain development, but number two, the research on allergy and and our food allergens has completely changed and completely turned the tide. That's another example of evolution of science and what we thought was something years ago completely different now. My oldest daughter is turning 14 next week, and when she was born, we we restricted allergens. It was just it, was, it wasn't that long ago, and now what we know is that don't restrict allergens. Introduce them early. And when you introduce allergens early, it reduces risk to to allergy to those foods later on. So two really important reasons to include eggs as a first food for children. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's fascinating, and it's something that that needs you know I I know it's being in, choline also is being included in a lot of prenatals, but it is very yeah. important. I think again, I I'm a big believer in having in consuming nutrients in the uh, matrix that nature yeah. intended, which is the food matrix. I think yeah. we're you know nutrients working synergistically. I mean, I, I you know even just the fact that having eggs, like I'm a big believer in you know including herbs and spices with everything, but you know uh, the uh, the you. Do need the fat to absorb the fat soluble nutrients d a k and e so all of these things work synergistically and it's a food first approach that i think is really important but the other thing i mean it really tracks through the life cycle because again with my new company ahara you know i've been looking at the impact of choline you know through the life cycle and and one of the things that actually really was a major eye-opener to me is that i have a genetic mutation where i am not able to produce choline intrinsically because you can produce a small amount by the liver and I'm not able to do that. So for me, consuming eggs is even more important. And my colleague, I was just texting him because I don't know if the research is published yet, but uh, Taylor Wallace, who I've had on the podcast several times, is actually doing research with um, egg consumption and reducing the risk of dementia. I I don't know if he's published the findings yet, so I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it. Um, But there is, it really is not just for, you know, fetal, brain development and, and, um, you know, during the early years, but I think it's, it's also tracking throughout. And it's also important for another thing that I'm looking at, which is epigenetics, because choline is a very important, you know, part of how DNA is turned on and off and gene expression and, and all these different things like that. So, um, and, and the other thing, I mean, I think we can't ignore the, um, you know, the other, what makes the yolks, their golden yellow, the lutein and zeaxanthine in, in, in the yolk again. So people, please don't throw out your yolks. <laughs> I mean, at least not all of them do at least one yolk, and then you can do a couple whites if you're really wanting to be whatever. I, I don't even know why you would do that, but um, you know, if if you think you're a cholesterol responder or whatever it is, you may want to throw out a couple of the yolks and not have six. But um, the lutein and the zeaxanthine, of course, for for eye health, and there's yes. there's significant research. And I think you know these are nutrients that that most Americans don't get enough of, and and it's substantial in eggs. 
Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, lutein and zeaxanthin are responsible for that yellowish pigment of the yolk. They're really pigments. They're found in egg yolks. They're found in dark green leafy vegetables as well. You know, it's responsible for the pigment there. Uh, but like, exactly as you said, when you consume lutein and zeaxanthin, uh, you know, it's actually taken up by the eye, by the macula. Important for eye health. Important for reducing risk of macular degeneration. What Which is the leading all- cause of blindness in elderly yeah, adults. So it's, it's not, you know, this is this is significant stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is not just, you know, mm-hmm. these these nutrients. It's it's so exciting for me when like nutrients have such impact. But I mean, when you're looking at major diseases like age-related macular degeneration, I mean, this starts getting and weight management. I mean, you know, the benefits are just keep stacking up. And one more thing that we're seeing in the research with lutein zeaxanthin they're showing that when you have a higher amount of 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 these carotenoids in your eye so it's a, it's a higher level of macular pigment op- optical density is what it's called also connected to cognition uh, so we're seeing that in both children and in uh, aging folks as well, that greater macular pigment and those who consume more lutein and zeaxanthin have greater macular pigment that's actually connected to better cognitive performance across the lifespan. So, you know, you're kind of getting a double impact there with the choline as well as the lutein and zeaxanthin. And I'm also genetically predisposed to have age-related macular oh, degeneration. Wow. <laughs> so I'm like... I, I'm gonna. You gotta have eggs? your eggs got, every day. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna have them like door dashed right now. But um, okay. So the podcast is called Practically Healthy. Uh, so let's move on to. I, I I mean I also do think eggs are are so practical and easy. But give us some of your favorite ways to. And and I'll give you mine first because I okay. think I've written two books on the healing powers of herbs and spices. So I'm obsessed with their. You know, and they're so easy. And to me, like throwing some oregano in my eggs in the morning or in my kids eggs is that's like a no-brainer it's the easiest way to yep. integrate herbs and spices with zero cooking skills which i have zero my same, husband same. my husband makes fun <laughs> of me that i actually burnt a pot once trying to cook so you know um but let's talk about some of your favorite um um practical ways to integrate eggs so one of the things that went back to the lutein zeaxanthin and you said the fat soluble vitamins a d and k what we actually have is research that shows when you combine your eggs with vegetables, you actually absorb the nutrients from the vegetables better because you're bringing in that healthy fat source from the eggs. You know, so that's the you know the fat soluble vitamins A, D, and K, and also lutein, zeaxanthin. So I think that's a perfect reason to take whatever vegetables you have, and maybe it's the vegetables left over from dinner last night, and throw them into your scramble or make a make an omelet. That for, that for me is is the best because you're kind of getting you know a lot of bang for your buck there because you get you're absorbing the nutrients from those vegetables better. Um, I yeah I same same situation in my family. I'm not the cook. My wife. Life is. I used to think that I was great at scrambled eggs, and now she's surpassed me on that. <laughs> so it's sort of like you know that's fine. Yeah, you know, that's fine. You know, she can make the eggs, and we can you know toss the vegetables in there. <laughs> yeah, and I'm also. I think one of the things you know that I I love is the idea of of frittatas because yeah. I'm a big you know I'm a busy working mom, blah blah blah. You know, running out the door half the time, but making making a big frittata and then being able to like 
heat it, eat it for breakfast exactly. or for dinner with a salad, you know, like a, a lovely, like a, you know, crustless quiche almost as it. And with the frittata, I mean, you can do everything with it. In one of my books, I, I can't remember which one, but I actually have a chart. I'm like eggs plus this spice, plus this vegetable, plus even a little bit of cheese or, or muffin cups. Yep, I mean, yep. there's so many fun, like the kids, we were just in New York at a hotel and they had these little um, muffin cups every morning of eggs with different ingredients every day. It was like the best. I mean, it's so delicious and easy so and good. satisfying. Yeah. I mean, it's really- it's, The muffin cups made me think of another way I love it, avocado eggs. So you kind of use the ooh. avocado, dig the avocado out a little bit, put the, you know, crack the egg in there and then bake it. It's sort of like, you know, so you get the healthy fats from the avocado mixed with your egg and your protein and your nutrients from the egg. It's sort of, you know, it's, it's delicious. Okay. That yeah. sounds delicious. Is yeah. there like a recipe? Okay. So where can we get, I want to share some resources with our listeners because Certainly, I know you guys yeah. have done so much, you know, with, with both research and then giving practical advice. And also if, if there are doctors listening, which I hope there's a few, you actually have actual substantial studies uh, on the yep. site. So where can people go to get more ideas, inspiration, and education? Yeah, incredibleegg.org, one-stop shop for everything. So there's lots of great scientific articles we've written about studies, but also lots of great recipes as well. Uh, incredibleegg.org. You can also follow our social channels, Egg Nutrition Center on Facebook or Twitter uh, or Instagram. You're going to see a lot of recipes there as well. They're going to be beautiful pictures. And, and so, you know, uh, I would definitely check those check those spots out. Well, Mickey, this has been really, really fun. I feel like we could go on and on and on. Maybe next time, maybe we'll talk again and we'll talk more about some of the exercise stuff too and yeah, the protein quality. Because I, I do think, I mean, just as an aside, I think, you know, particularly for for women my age, which is early 50s, you know, I think, you know, and and aging adults, uh, we, we the ability to absorb protein begins to decrease. So the quality um, becomes even more yeah, important. So and important. studies showing that, you know, it's not just the total protein that you have in a day, it's actually having it three times a day to protect your muscles um, is critically important. So I think, you know, eggs really help with that concept because a lot of people, you know, we kind of got into this. A lot of people think that for heart health, they can only have oatmeal in the morning, you know, and we've kind of been brainwashed with that. But, you know, I, I think throwing some eggs in there um, is is definitely a lot. So throughout the life cycle, I think yeah. they're really, really relevant for people. It sounds cliche, right? To say balanced diet, but you really have to balance it out, right? You can't just have, you know, you gotta have, you know, you have your whole grains and your fiber. Uh, uh, absolutely. But you have to balance it out with your really healthy protein sources that those protein sources like eggs are more than just protein. And you're getting so much there with your choline and your lutein zeaxanthin as well. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, I promised my uh, eight-year-old that I would only make one corny joke. So, Mickey, thank you for this excellent podcast. Uh, very good. <laughs> We've heard them we all know. on American Egg Board, as you might uh, imagine. Yeah, but I, 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 I don't say, get sick of it. I don't get. Sick. I had to say one. I had to say <laughs> one. Again, we appreciate you sharing your knowledge, and I hope uh, you know we're going to be actually using some of the your recipes uh, with and my new uh, company Ahara. We're going to be featuring some of them because I'm such a big fan of eggs and choline is one of our key nutrients. So I'm really excited and I'm I'm very happy to, you know, be working with you all this summer um, to get the word out that 
eggs aren't bad like they're cracked up to be one more okay <laughs> well it was a pleasure thank you for having me and really fun and yeah i'll take you up on another conversation any day sounds great have a terrific day thank you be you well. too I really hope that you found the information in this podcast helpful. I know I did, and I welcome your feedback because I'm doing this for you. So if there's topics that you wanna learn about, something that you wanna learn more about, if there's something that you wanna explain further that I've talked about, please let me know. Comment on my Instagram page, send me an email, melina at drmelina.com, and definitely hit that subscribe button because I'm gonna have great new content every single week, and I don't want you to miss an episode. That's it for now. Stay practically healthy.